everybody, this is Jim. And this is Jeremy. And today we're going to talk about new music book releases, uh, new albums, and some music news, some bands we've been listening to, and uh, we're going to end it with the top 10 uh, from September 1966. Let's get into some new music book releases. Sometimes besides the regular books I read, you know, Stephen King and Jonathan Mayberry. I do like a good uh, biography. Who doesn't? In case you missed some of these first ones, uh, these are already out. We have some uh, new uh, books out uh, on music. Uh, We got uh, John Hyatt. He has a book called Have a Little Faith, the John Hyatt story. John Mellencamp has a book out just called Mellencamp. And we have a guy by the name of J.J. French. Have you heard of him? I have not. He was the guitarist for Twisted Sister. Oh, nice. Okay. And it's called Twisted Business, Lessons from My Life in Rock and Roll. We also have a book by Matt Sorum, and it's a Double Talking Jive, True Rock and Roll Stories from the Drummer of Guns N' Roses, The Cult, and Velvet Revolver. That one's a must for me. Now, these are books coming out. Dave Grohl has a book coming out. I saw that. I'm excited for that. October 5th, uh, called The Storyteller, Tales of Life and Music. Uh, We got a... B.B. King has a new one coming out, believe it or not. And uh, called King of the Blues, The Rise and Reign of B.B. King. And Elvis. Elvis keeps putting stuff out. (laughs) He has... uh, It's Christmas with Elvis, the official guide to the holidays from the king of rock and roll. There's a book on Eddie Van Halen called Eruption, Conversations with Eddie Van Halen. And these all come out October 5th. We have Amy Winehouse, Beyond Black. So those, those all come out October 5th. How about Nikki Six? I believe he has a book coming out. Oh, too. I don't have that on here. Yeah. Okay, October 6th, we have The Rolling Stones. Uh, it's called Hot Stuff, The Story of the Rolling Stones Through the Ultimate Memorabilia Collection. The little memorabilia book there. Uh, Robbie Krieger, October 12th, Set the Night on Fire, many, My Many Lives and Deaths as the Guitarist of the Doors. And then there's another Rolling Stones book uh, called The Rolling Stones Unzipped. Ooh. Don't know what that is. <laughs> so those are the books you want to go uh, look for. Probably look for the B.B. King. I don't know about the Elvis, but... You know, I just read uh, Sinead O'Connor, Rememberings. That was pretty good. So now we have uh, new releases, uh, album releases. Uh, October 1st, we got Lady Gaga and Tony Bennett, Love for Sale. Ooh, that sounds exciting. Well, she did an album with Tony a couple years ago. It's actually pretty good. We got uh, Ministry. That's an old band. Moral Hygiene. (laughs) October 15th, uh, Coldplay has a new album out, Music of the uh, Spears. Uh, Let's see, Toby Keith, I don't think I'll be buying that. Young Thug, Jeremy. Young Thug has a new album out, coming out. Uh, October 22nd, Duran Duran, Future Past. I think they put out a single recently. Uh, My Morning Jacket, I've heard of them, I don't know. I've heard of them. I haven't listened to them, though. And it says self-titled, so that's kind of weird, because I know they put stuff out before. So also, October 22nd, Elton John has a new album out called The Lockdown Sessions. And these are basically duets with other artists. I heard one song. uh, He's got some uh, mainly newer artists that he's working with. Was it a lot of piano? Did he have guitar combination? Well, no, these are um, duets with, uh, you know, newer artists. Like, I heard there's a song with Dua Lipa called Cold Heart. I think he already put that one out. Young Thug and Nicki Minaj, he's got a song with. The one I found most interesting is it's a cover of a Metallica song, Nothing Else Matters. And Miley Cyrus (laughs) is singing that. This is already out. You can hear a little piano in the beginning. I don't think Elton's singing on this, but it's also Yo-Yo Ma. I think he's a cellist. And uh, Chad Smith 
on drums. Eddie Vedder and Elton John do a song called E-Ticket. Uh, Stevie Wonder and Elton John. Stevie Nicks and Elton John. And Glenn Campbell came back uh, to record a song with Elton. Wow. Called I'm Not Gonna Miss You. All kidding aside, that's a pretty great group of musicians that he's combining with. So I'd be curious to hear those songs. Yeah, even the newer ones, but as long as there's no, you know, rap in there. Yeah. Elton John and rap. I I can't picture those two together. Yeah, he's with um, uh, Little Nas X. All right. Yeah, and Elton. Yeah. Yeah. And then we got uh, Ed Sheeran, who puts out an album, I think, every five months or so. Uh, Five weeks. Yeah. And the big one is on November 5th, ABBA Voyage, which is amazing because it's been 40 years, you know, for a band to get back together, record after 40 years. Every guy out there secretly likes ABBA. They will not admit (laughs) it, but they do. My wife's a big ABBA fan. Yes. I like ABBA. I like some of their songs. Yep. They're one of those bands that you really can't hate them. They have niche songs that kind of match anybody and everybody yeah they're fun songs a little bit later on in music news i'll be talking a little bit more about abba Ooh, exciting <laughs> a couple new ones that i've been listening to uh is billy idol and i'm a little disappointed because it's only a four song ep i wish he came out with a full album i pre-ordered this ep but mine has not arrived yet mm-hmm. i ordered a signed copy oh so i'm very excited for that to come <laughs> in so that i can listen to it and also enjoy the yeah, jeremy autograph. collects as i do autographs but jeremy's been collecting a lot of a lot of the signed a lot of music lately yeah yeah so this one's called the roadside it's been seven years since billy idol put out a an album but i've listened to this a couple times already it's it's really great. So I'm like, you know, I want more. Get out there and buy copies so that he makes more albums. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And one uh, person I haven't heard of in a long time is Melissa Etheridge. She has a new album out. It's called One Way Out. Now, what's interesting about this is these are songs that she wrote in the 80s and early 90s, and she never recorded. And she got her original band together and put out this album. It's seven songs. And there's two live songs, which are not the same as the recorded songs. And these songs are from a concert from 2002 at the Roxy. Some of the songs on here, like the title track, uh, then I'm No Angel Myself, Save Myself, and That Would Be Me. Those are great songs on there. And I've listened to that a couple of times. So it's, it's um, Melissa Etheridge. She sounds as great as ever. And those songs, they were live. They weren't studio live. They were just a legitimate live song. Yeah, they're from a live concert, 2002. Well, the seven songs are recorded. They're studio. But then at the end, there's two two live songs. So what have you been uh, listening to lately? So um, I've been listening to a few things, actually. You know, you mentioned in the books earlier that there's an Eddie Van Halen book coming out. His son, Wolfgang. Yeah, Wolfgang. Mm -hmm. Yeah, has an album out. And I've played that top to bottom probably a hundred times now in my car. Yeah, that's I listened to that. He actually opened recently for Guns N' Roses. And I was Mm -hmm. tempted to go see him. The Mm -hmm. date conflicted with something else that was going on. But that's definitely been on my uh, in my car. Last week, I mentioned Alice Cooper Mm -hmm. stories. Oh, Detroit stories. Detroit stories. That has been on my, that's in my car right now. So I've been listening to that. I've been listening to Michael C. Hall from Dexter. Really? Has a band. Okay. And the band is called Princess Goes to the Butterfly Museum. (laughs) That's interesting. It is very interesting. It's a very psychedelic kind of rock Mm -hmm. sound. It's unique. It's a little bit different. It's kind of dark, Mm -hmm. but it's enjoyable. Um, I also recently listened to a band called Squid. Okay. (laughs) They released their first studio album on my birthday, actually May 7th, so just a couple months ago. Mm -hmm. Very, very unique, amazing sound. Vocals weren't the greatest, but the sound made up for it. Mm -hmm. Very, very unique, very like a psychedelic, but rock feel to it. Okay. So 
it reminded me kind of the clash they're a band out of london okay so it makes sense but it was just different and And their first album correct they had some singles that released i believe like 2017 Mm -hmm. Um, but this is their first studio album and i mean there's some repetition in the lyrics like i said the vocals maybe could use a little work but it, it it was still an enjoyable listen so i'm curious to see Here's kind of the trial. What's coming next? So when a band has good sound, I can overlook, you know, lyrics or vocals or, Mm -hmm. you know, things to that extent. I want to feel the music. And Mm -hmm. I was able to do that with them. And then the other thing that's guilty pleasure. (laughs) Taylor Swift has released several CDs in the last year and a half. Yes. Yes. And I own every one of them. (laughs) <laughs> I've gotten signed copies and I have unsigned copies to listen to in the car. Confession and, time. <laughs> yeah, man. She's, yes, she's a sexy, gorgeous woman, mm-hmm. but her songs are very real. When you listen to them, you can almost feel that either A, this is something she's been through and mm-hmm. she's passionate about, or this is just something that she enjoys and wants to sing about. And it doesn't matter if it's acoustic or if it's, you know, regular guitar. Mm-hmm. Her music is just powerful. Yeah. And, you know, for a young female kind of poppy artist, that's. Yeah, it's weird because I think in the beginning she was guitar oriented and, and uh, storytelling. And then she got into the really pop, uh, you know, like Shake It Off. Yeah. But now she's back. Her last album I listened to a couple of times. And yeah, it's really, really good. And. And also what's amazing, she's re-recording her albums because of some uh, something to do with the rights to the music or, I don't know, she wasn't getting properly paid. To go back and just re-record, I haven't compared, I, I wanted to compare like an album to like the original too. album to see how close. Yes. Or to see if she has any subtle differences, you yeah. know, or if she's changing up the beat or maybe changing up the timing a little bit. Just, I mean, it's a lot of it's a lot of work to to do that, and I guess it's maybe started when COVID started. Maybe well, you can tell too. She's one of those people who genuinely cares about her fans. Mm-hmm. You know, the In the Trees album. There's a ton of them out there. Mm-hmm. However, small record shops were actually reporting that they would randomly get a case of signed CDs that they didn't even know they were getting. Yeah, yeah. You know, with the twelve eighty eight price sticker on it or mm-hmm. whatever the price was. Yeah, and it's just so cool that Mm -hmm. someone wants to give back to the fans like that yeah you know and and willing to kind of do that Mm -hmm. to go above and beyond and not just oh here's your cds you know sell them and i want to make my profits yeah (laughs) i've seen artists go into like target and just start and sign (laughs) sign the albums or the cds without anyone knowing so i'm gonna i'm getting thirsty here so i'm gonna crack open this beer this is a new one. It's uh, Tom's River Brewing Forbidden Fruit. It's a uh, ale brewed with apricot and natural apricot flavor. It's only 4.9%, so it's low octane. Maybe I'll graduate someday to, you know, this high-tech stuff that Jim mm. is drinking. I've just got my... And it's not an light. IPA, which I love, but it's just a regular ale. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I can taste the apricot. Or apricot, I don't know. Tomato, tomato. I always mispronounce things. So. One other thing here I wanted to talk about is there's a there's a app. I think it's sort of like Spotify, but it's more like live radio shows. It's free. Uh, it's called Live 365. They started recently Monkey Mania Radio. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, 24 hours, monkey's music. There's also shows on there, and actually a person we interviewed recently from Australia, Plastic EP, he has a show on there. I think it's once a week, so that's pretty cool. So check out the live, and we don't get paid for this, so but check out the Live 365 app, because I think since, um, you know, Sirius Radio, you know, there's more free apps out there, more, like even Spotify, you know, charges, um, but you can get away with the free version spotify i've noticed too you find a lot of strange versions of songs Mm -hmm. like they'll show a picture of the album and the song that you're looking for 
but then you'll go to play the song and it's like a live version or oh, yeah. it's, you know, kind of a, like a garage sounding version. And it's like, what is this? Well, maybe the artist, you know, doesn't want them to play it. The smithereens, if you go on Apple Music, not all their albums are on there. The one uh, I talked about last podcast, uh, Court Tavern Show, I'm pretty sure that's not even on there. It's a shame because they have they have a big library, but at the same time, they're also missing so much music that's out there. And now we're going to go into some music news. So we were talking about ABBA. Now, ABBA I consider to be like the Beatles of Sweden. Like when you go to the airport, I think it's in Stockholm, there's pictures of different uh, Swedish musicians, celebrities, you know, of course, ABBA's in there. The ABBA Museum is incredible. I've been there. It's like they've kept everything from when they toured. All their outfits. There's a wall. There's a couple walls of every album they ever put out, like every single. They even have a bus in there, like a little bus that they, when they first started, that they drove around. This is all in the airport? No, this is in the museum. Oh. oh. (laughs) Yeah. They have all the sound equipment. Uh soundboards uh it's behind glass like you're looking into the recording studio but it's all original it's not like you know they recreated it or anything so anyway um on september 2nd abba went live and i I was a little disappointed because it wasn't all four of them it was just the two guys benny and bjorn they went live to announce what we thought was going to be their tour but it turns out they're building a stadium in london and it's going to be uh, like, they call them avatars. So they actually went in and, uh, you know, like they would do in a, in a movie uh, with um, computer generated. You're, you'll be able to go and see the concert, but it's, it's not going to be, they're not going to be on stage. They're, these avatars are going to be <laughs> on stage. Wasn't Ronnie James Dio trying to do something like that? They did some stuff with holograms. Okay. I think Tupac. They might have done... Uh, I know they did Elvis uh, with the full band, but I don't think, I think he was, might have been up on the screen. Okay. You know, from real footage. It's amazing. They're building a stadium just for ABBA. That's how huge they are. And it's in London, though. You'd think it would be in Sweden. ABBA split up in 1982. And, of course, recently they ended up back in the recording studio, and they were originally going to record just two songs. And then uh, Benny says, well, maybe we should do a few others. So they ended up with uh, 10 songs, one of which is going to be a uh, holiday song or Christmas song. No one's heard this song, but I predict it's going to be like number one. (laughs) Might knock Mariah Carey out of the top Christmas song spot. Who knows? So Benny went on to say... um, it was so joyful to be together in the studio again, the four of us, and hearing Frida and Agnetha, I think that's her name, going for it again. But he did confess he had nerves ahead of the initial recording session. He said five minutes before they came into the studio, I was thinking, I should have asked if they can still sing. <laughs> <laughs> but they could, and they can, and, you, and he says you will hear it when you listen to the record, so... So I think this is great news. My, like I said, my wife loves ABBA. This was some years ago. I don't know if you know this, Jared, but they were offered a billion dollars. And I don't know if it was a tour or just one show, but still a it, billion dollars. Even if it was a, you know, a small tour is just an amazing amount of money. And they turned it down. I didn't know that. Because they, they are worth, I think each of them are worth like 200, 300 million. Wow. So it's, it's where if you don't want to do it, you don't have, you know, they don't need the money. Well, if your heart's not into it, yeah. it's not going to be enjoyable anyway. So yeah. And they are older and, you know, even though they can still sing, it's different when you're up on stage live, you know, in the studio, you kind of tweak it here and tweak it there. And, you know. and we've been to enough concerts and I'm sure the listeners have as well. When someone's just up there to collect a paycheck, it's a lot different oh, than yeah. when a band's up there and having a good time. Yeah. And doing what they and love you can to do. see it if they're just kind of you know trudging through going through the, the motions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have a few funny kind of stories that I found <laughs> okay. while doing some research. My first one is uh, Mick Jagger teamed up with his brother Chris 
to release a new music video. Really? Yes. I didn't even know he had a brother. I didn't either. <laughs> the video is called Anyone Seen My Heart. Chris is the younger brother of mm-hmm. Mick Jagger. They were, I guess, just hanging out and jamming out in a room before belting out these lyrics and decided to do <laughs> a new music video and release something, you know, new and fresh. Is it out? The video? Yeah, it is. Okay. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he's got the moves like Mick, but yeah. they also released in their latest album, uh, they're doing a memoir, Talking to Myself. Mm-hmm. For the uh, passing of Charlie Watts, okay, of course, yeah. Watts' publicist confirmed this, so it's just something that I guess for me, seeing that first of all, to your point, I didn't even know that Mick Jagger had a brother, <laughs> mm-hmm. but seeing them kind of pair up and do something together, and then do something as a tribute to a former band member, mm-hmm. it, it caught my eye. It was something that I thought was interesting and worthy of, if nothing yeah. else, checking it out mm-hmm. and seeing it at least one time. So he, so Chris sings or does he play an instrument? They're singing together. Okay. They're, they're both paired up and doing a duet in a sense. Mick's not the greatest singer. No. You know, does his brother sound okay? It, it sounded. Or they sound meshed together. They sound meshed together. Yes. So it's, I mean, look, if you're a Rolling Stones fan, you might love it. If you're not a Rolling Stones fan, it it sounds kind of like a typical Rolling Stones song, but it's still, it's worth checking out. Okay. So I have a little bit of sad music news. Nobody died, but the band Genesis, they were supposed to... Um, I know they've gotten back together in the last 10 years. I know there was Without a, Peter Gabriel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with Phil Collins. Yes. I remember them doing a tour, though, like six, seven years ago. And I don't think they had toured in a long time. So this was uh, another tour they were planning before COVID. And of course, it got postponed. And I like Genesis. I liked them when I was younger, and I still like them. I listened to um, Duke a couple months ago. This is called The Last Domino Tour. So it sounds like it'd be their last tour, which I think it will be, because Phil Collins, he has a lot of health issues. I was considering going, and I looked at the ticket prices, and I think the cheapest ticket was 250 300 wow. So recently, I got this from... Actually, it's prevention.com, which I think is a health (laughs) uh, website. Phil says, I'm kind of physically challenged a bit, which is very frustrating because I'd love to be playing up there. So this is um, recent news that Phil will not be playing drums. Wow. Uh, He says that he can hardly, he can barely hold a drumstick with his hand. Phil Collins' son will be playing drums and Phil will be, of course, singing. I did read that he may play drums on one song, but it, he can barely hold a drumstick. I don't. I don't hey, know. Maybe he'll be like Rick Allen, learn how to play the drums with his feet. Yeah, yeah, or his teeth, or something. <laughs> In two thousand nine, Phil went under underwent back surgery, and he said somehow during the last Genesis tour, I dislocated some vertebrae in my upper neck, and that affected my hands. And then there was the incident where he, I think he fell and he hit a coffee table. Yeah, in 2017, uh, he suffered a serious fall in his hotel room. Oh, he hit his head on a chair. So, Wow. I would say he was rocking too hard, but Genesis isn't really hard rock. Yeah. (laughs) I'd still go see him if the tickets weren't like, you know, $300. Even if Phil wasn't on the drums, you know, because it's, it's the original band. I mean, Phil's great drummer, or was, but maybe his son is... You know, he had a good teacher. Maybe his, <laughs> maybe Phil taught him. You know, they always play. say playing the drums and singing is one of the hardest things oh, yeah. to do when it comes to music. Yeah, I think even playing guitar and singing is, you know. I agree. But you still have to keep keep a rhythm and, and sing. Yep. But what Phil was able to do, not only with the drum set, but with his vocals as well. Very, yeah. very impressive. Mm-hmm. You want to hear my Genesis story? Yeah. I was at CVS one time. And no reply at all comes on the radio. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm singing away, whatever. I don't really care. This kid comes up to me and he's like, anybody that sings Phil Collins is gay. <laughs> <laughs> and he was totally joking around and being mm-hmm. funny about it. And I didn't even hesitate. I was like, well, I guess it's a good thing that I'm singing Genesis then. Yeah. And he looked at me and he was <laughs> so confused because he didn't realize what just happened. Mm-hmm. That's my funny Genesis story. <laughs> I always think of that every time. 
any Genesis or Phil Collins song comes on. No, I think Genesis is cool. I don't remember Genesis um, with Peter Gabriel. I only knew Peter Gabriel from his, you know, solo. And then I found out he was in Genesis. Because Genesis was a lot bigger when Phil took over, you know, with the hit songs. Maybe a lot of people don't even know Peter Gabriel was the lead singer of Genesis. Peter didn't play drums either. No, he did not. <laughs> I don't think he plays an <laughs> no. instrument at all. I, uh, I always loved Land of Confusion mm-hmm. by Genesis. Oh, in the video. Too. Yes. It, I was going to say the music video was fantastic. But mm-hmm. then it got redone by some like hard rock band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, they did an okay. I think it was like Five Finger Death Punch or something oh, like okay. that. And they did an okay job with it, but I just always get so upset because I'm like, ah, it's such a classic song. <laughs> like, man. So you kind of alluded to this earlier, but uh, my next story, Taylor Swift. Yeah. She's full of surprises. <laughs> what she, is she doing now? She uh, releases Wildest Dreams out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It's a 1989 song. Uh, I listened to it before I came over today. Okay. Phenomenal. Like, Fantastic. Another one of those, you know, as I said earlier, she's just so real and you can feel her music, you know, kind of through the screen. But she did it specifically for her TikTok fan base. I don't know. I'm not on Mm -hmm. TikTok. That's that's one of the platforms I don't really use, but it was uploaded recently, you know, on uh, YouTube. So it was something I saw the article today and, you know, it's not like big news, but Mm -hmm. anytime for me, like I said, Taylor Swift, she's I had said on my, you know, favorite album. Uh, podcast that I'm a big fan of Def Leppard. Mm-hmm. And they're one of the bands that kind of survived throughout the years by being pop, rock, yeah. classic. Mm-hmm. Taylor Swift, to me, is one of those kind of unique musician oh, yeah. talents. She's from different country. Who can do to, it all. Yeah, to folk, yep. pop, dance. Yeah, all that. Rock. She can do yeah. everything. So... I'm not comparing Maybe Taylor Swift. Maybe she'll do Swift. a blues album. They, you know, you know what? Day. I bet yeah. you she probably could. Yeah. And I bet it would sound good, too. <laughs> I think she lives in a studio. You know, she might have moved in there. It, it does seem she that keep, way. She's she, very, she's like totally focused on recording a lot of stuff now. But you know, she she's does, she's not lot. releasing, you know, garbage just to get mm-hmm. a CD out there. Everything that she releases is, in my opinion, it's very good. But I think she's actually recording her first, re-recording her first five albums. So I don't know how many it is. And I think she already put out a couple. Yes. And in between all the new stuff, too. Yeah. But to me, I, I guess she's just different because, you know, like Miley Cyrus is someone that I enjoy her music. Mm-hmm. But Miley Cyrus is very out there when it comes to... <laughs> You know, public appearances. Well, she's just... toned down actually a little bit over the last year. Sure. She's <laughs> no, I think she's becoming more rock and roll, and I think she's uh, transforming or transitioning into Stevie Nicks. Okay. Her voice is getting really, really rough. Really, like it was unique or different to begin with. Right. But now it's like she's smoking four packs of cigarettes a day, or so. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Janice Joplin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, she's, she's, I'm serious. She sounded more like uh, Stevie Nicks. And her last album, uh, Billy Idol was on, on one of the songs. So that was a, she's pairing up now with, uh, you know, like Joan Jett and, but she's also done stuff with Dolly Parton. But I don't think, I don't think she's um, lately as wild as she, she was. I think she kind of got, got over that. And I'm telling more and more of a, a rocker, more of an adult. And also um, on, with Taylor Swift, people who are listening, uh, if you've only heard a couple songs or you you only know Taylor Swift from uh, Shake It, what was it? Shake It Up? Shake It Up from Frozen. Listen to a lot of other, listen to some other stuff because that's not who she is. You got to give her CDs kind of a one over at least, you know, from mm-hmm. start to finish just to kind of get a feel for what she can do. Yeah, the songs are, I mean, she's known for writing about ex-boyfriends and, and, and uh, about love lost and... But you don't get that sense of just, this is my feelings and feel sorry for me. Yeah. She's a good storyteller. Yes. And I wouldn't say she's up there with, you know, like Bob Dylan or, you know, I like to see in the, in the next like 10 years where 
where she goes. I, yeah, yeah, I agree. Because, I mean, I alluded to it earlier, but her lyrics are real. Mm-hmm. But she's the type of person, too. She's not afraid to swear. Yeah. Which isn't mm-hmm. a big deal. But a lot of times female artists, it, it doesn't seem to fit. Yeah. But it matches her lyrics so well. She's not doing it overly excessively. Yeah, just to add the word. Or, yeah. No, it, yeah. it's just this is what I'm feeling. This is the story that I'm telling. This is the music to go with it. Mm -hmm. And it's every song that she (laughs) performs is enjoyable in my honest opinion. (laughs) I'm sure there's a few clunkers out there, but. And I know you said guilty pleasure. Yeah. We all have whatever music we listen to, you know, maybe we tell our friends, you know, what bands we really like, but then almost not in private, but you you don't tell a lot of people, but Music is, it depends what, how it makes you feel. It could be, it could be any genre of music. Like I like Halsey and I, I love Kelly Clarkson. There it is. That's my guilty pleasure. I used to love Carrie Underwood, but she's gotten, I don't know, a little more stale. Yeah. Whereas someone like Taylor Swift just keeps bringing something new to mm-hmm. each album. Whereas, you know, Carrie Underwood just seemed to kind of stay at the same over and over again just my opinion and then certain artists i i'd go by it may not even be great songwriting but it could be their voice like kelly clarkson that's what attracts me to her and the songs might not be that great but i just love hearing hearing her voice so we're going to talk about an old rocker do you remember i know you do jeremy steve perry absolutely so steve perry was lead singer journey and then he kind of disappeared. Voice. Well, then he had some solo albums. Yes. I think Oh Sherry. Oh Sherry. And then he kind of disappeared and there were some rumors about health problems or with singing or even his vocals. Uh, and then a couple years ago, he put out a, a great album. I think it was kind of under the radar. He is coming out with a holiday album. I saw that. I pre-ordered that last album that came out. Okay. I got a signed <laughs> copy of that one and listened <laughs> nice. to it. And to your point, very underrated. You didn't see it on any charts. Mm-hmm. You didn't hear a lot about it on the radio. Yeah. But it sounded very good. And Steve Perry was, I don't think he was married, but he was dating this woman who she unfortunately passed away. But she had, uh, I, I heard him in an interview where she kind of convinced him that you, this is what you need to be this is what you need to do. You need to still sing. You need, to, and I think that's what got him motivated again. That's good because I mean, when you think of fantastic, you know, music voices, mm-hmm. there's Freddie Mercury, there's Steve Perry. Yeah, he's one of the great rock and roll voices. There's not too many up there that are just so unique mm-hmm. and so electric. Yeah, and he never misses a beat for. You know, when you have a high voice like that, it's difficult to find that range. And it's a very unique trait Mm -hmm. that only certain musicians have. And he has it. So like we just said, his last album was uh, 2018. And that was his first album since 1994. I didn't realize it's been that long already. Yeah. So it was three years ago. So this album uh, is coming out November 5th. And he is on fantasy records and we have a link to fantasy a girl by the name of andrea von campen we interviewed she was just signed to fantasy records paul simon's on that label james taylor government mule tedeschi trucks band all these these good bands are on this little record label but they've got some really good artists on this label so apparently um a couple weeks ago and i didn't i didn't even know this but I have this thing with Christmas music is I don't like to listen to Christmas music until like uh, Thanksgiving the night. The end or, of November. Well, or the day after Thanksgiving. Yes, Black Friday. So apparently I'll Be Home for Christmas was already released. I didn't even know that. Hmm. The single. Okay. But I don't know anyone who's listening to Christmas <laughs> music right now. But when I was, before I got Apple Music... Every year I would buy like three or four Christmas CDs. So I have, a, I have like 50 different Christmas albums at least. Um, That's about 47 more than I have. Old ones and if new ones, if they interest me, um, I would buy them. 
Steve Perry uh, says, I hope when people hear this record, they're teleported in the same way I was when I recorded all these songs. I hope it brings them back to those golden moments with their loved ones and gives them that feeling of joy and connection and comfort that we all need so much. So is he covering like famous Christmas songs or did he create his own Christmas songs? No, these are, let's see, there's 10 songs. It looks like they're all Christmas, all, you know, old Christmas songs. Okay. Uh, we've got the Christmas song, I'll Be Home for Christmas, Old Lang Syne, Winter Wonderland, What Are You Doing, New Year's Eve. I always like that song. Santa Claus is Coming to Town. That should be a fun one. Silver Bells. Not real cl- crazy. Not that one. And Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. That should be a really good one. So yeah, uh, actually we have eight songs. Sorry. So that's a short... <laughs> short and sweet holiday album so check that out and november 5th steve perry called the season totally off topic but the offspring released a brand new christmas song last year it uh-huh. was actually really awesome and it wasn't oh, really yeah it wasn't like a redone it was something brand new and i'll have to find it again because it was like a single that they mm-hmm. randomly the last christmas album i bought was the goo goo mm-hmm. dolls they released a christmas album oh, really? that was signed Mm-hmm. Of course. <laughs> had to get the signed copy. I really like another guilty player is Sia. She had it, her Christmas album. Sia's I actually just, a very underrated musician. I love that Christmas album. <laughs> I don't know if I've heard the Christmas album. Oh, it's great. But And I it's a lot voice. of original songs. But see, that's what I do like. Yeah. Because, you know, Christmas time, you get the same, like, 12 songs mm-hmm. over and over and over again. And they're I sung know. by 500 different bands. I know. But it's still the same song. B.B. King's album is pretty good. Like almost everybody has a Christmas album. Yeah, I've been f- bought. I built. I have Neil Diamond. Um, my favorite is always Band Aid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I wonder if those people in Africa do know about Christmas. I feel old though sometimes, because I do. I go on TikTok and you know even uh, Instagram or whatever. But TikTok. Yeah, I gotta they get were into playing, this TikTok thing. There was a video of um, Do They Know It's Christmas? Just a little snippet. Uh huh. And there's people in there. What's the name of the, what, what's the name of the song? Like, how have you never heard this? Yeah. When people would listen to the radio all the time, didn't matter how old you were, you'd hear songs. Now it's more difficult when you go on Apple, you're picking what you want to listen to. You're not really listening to what other people think are good and playing, unless you have serious radio. But even that... If you're listening to the 80s new wave, that's all you're hearing, you know, but. Well, and you don't have a disc jockey telling you anymore, you know, that song was performed by, mm-hmm. you know, X. Now you need to either know the name of the song or yeah. you need to know the musician or you're not going to be able yeah. to find it. I learned a lot from MTV, though, and now they don't. I would sit there and just watch music video. Pop up videos. And then they have a new song, a new video. And, and that's where you got to learn band, like new bands. Yeah. Because even if you didn't like that song, maybe you like yeah. the sound of the song. Yeah. So you would check out the band. So what is there now? Music. There's not a lot. And if you turn on the radio, all you're hearing is Bon Jovi living on a prayer or, yeah. you know, some <laughs> other overplayed song yeah. that you've heard 15 million times in your life. I told Sue on Facebook they have Mark Safe from. Uh-huh. I'm going to do Mark Safe from Bon Jovi because uh-huh. I haven't heard him in like two weeks now. Well, he's <laughs> got to be at least three fourths of the way there now. Maybe yeah. he made it. Yeah, I hope he did. He was halfway there. And and Gina hopefully stopped working the docks. The diner. She worked at the <laughs> she diner. She worked in the yeah. diner, damn it. Who was yeah. at the docks? So that does it for our music news. And next up, we're going to do the top 10 singles from the week ending September 24th, 1966. Okay, so this is the week ending, September 24th, 1966. I was not even a year old, and uh, Jeremy was like minus 18 or something. I don't know. (laughs) Jeremy was minus 21, (laughs) something like that. What year was it? 66. 67, yeah. 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 Minus 21. Minus 21. Nice. My mom wasn't even alive yet. Oh, yeah, she's... She's only young. 20 years older than me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, she's younger than me. 
So, um, okay, number 10. This is Casey Kasem. We got number 10, Reach Out, I'll Be There by the Four Tops. Thank you, Casey. Reach Out, I'll Be There. Now, Jeremy, did you listen to all these? Yes, I did. Okay. So I don't know if you noticed, but I I, I noticed these weird sounds. Uh, in the beginning of this song, there's a, like a weird horse trotting sound in the beginning for some reason. Okay. Unless that was just in my head. No, you heard it. This is a very, of course, it's the four tops. It's, you know, you had in the 60s, you had all these, um, uh, what do you call them? Very slow. Quartets. Yes. Where they court, like, you know, it'd be like four people, six people. Yes. All choreographed dance move and just just singers though they weren't playing instruments uh so one of them was like the temptations um the miracles you know smoky robinson the miracles so anyway so this is of course uh backup singers uh what's interesting is there is a part in this song with it just the backup singers singing not the not the lead vocalist the main subject is a girl and she's she's sad for some reason but we don't know why you know, but whole, he's going to be there for her, right? Right. So this is one of the best-known Motown tunes of the uh, 60s. It's considered uh, the top signature song. So this is another, we talked, uh, I don't know if we talked about them before, but Holland, Dozier, and Holland, uh, they were, wrote a lot of the songs for the Supremes, and they were writing new songs for the Four Tops to record for an album. Uh, Lamont Dozier said he wanted to write a journey of emotions and sustained tension like a bolero. Uh, and a bolero is a genre of song which originated in eastern Cuba, for all you history buffs, in the late 19th century. And it's unrelated to the Spanish dance, by the way, of the same name, bolero. Now, further recording, the writers and producers intentionally put Levi Stubbs at the top of his vocal range on this song. Um, to make sure he'd have that cry and hunger and wailing in his voice. Now, Dozier also said that they were strongly influenced by Bob Dylan at the time, and we wanted Levi to shout, sing the lyrics as a shout-out to Dylan. You know, sometimes uh, when you're writing a song, you have something uh, intended for the way the song, but you don't really hear it, you know, uh, I guess because I'm thinking of Bob Dylan, I'm thinking, of, you know, <laughs> thinking of a Bob Dylan song, but not the, I guess the way he sings, they're saying. Yeah. So this is a pretty good song. So number nine, we have Wouldn't It Be Nice by the Beach Boys. And it's a, it's a nice, pleasant song. But I was thinking, wouldn't it be nice to never hear this song again? You know, <laughs> it's about a man who wants his girlfriend to sleep over for once. And he talks about being married to her. But, you know, I, I think this guy, he just needs to slow down a little bit. So this is one of the eight songs that Brian Wilson and Tony Asher wrote for the Pet Sounds album. Now, in Brian Wilson's 1991 memoir, this is what I'm confused about, unless he had a ghostwriter. It says, since discredited, right? <laughs> so this is his memoir, but... This has been since discredited. Uh, I was suggested that he was inspired to write this song after having sexual fantasies about the Honeys, that was a female group, the singer Diane Rovell, which was his sister-in-law. Mm-hmm. Asher supported that Wilson was definitely infatuated with her. And this innocent aura that she seemed to possess, Brian was really so naive, he says says Wilson reportedly brought up the subject while they composed the songs on Pet Sounds. Uh, as Asher remembered, he'd stop in the middle of writing a song or a conversation or whatever and start going on about Diane, about how innocent, sweet, and beautiful she was. And he said, I'd be thinking, huh? Your wife's in the next room and you're talking about your sister? So who knows the truth, you know, did he write this about his sister-in-law? So who knows? You know, will we ever know? I don't know. So let's move on to number eight. And we got 96 Tears. And this is an interesting name for a band. It's Question Mark and the Mysterians, right? Right. They're from Michigan. And and they're actually considered a garage band. Which is odd because this is right in the heart of the Motown era. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this reached number one on Billboard Hot 100, October 29th. Um, So it did get to number one. It's at number eight right now. 
So this has a great electric organ sound throughout the song. I think uh, it's kind of, it's a little gritty sounding with, and the vocals are kind of raw. And this song reminds me of uh, Eric Burden from The Animals. It's a great comparison. Yeah. You know, for its time, this the sound of this song didn't really fit in. Mm-hmm. It, it's. I was surprised that this was in the top ten, not because it's a bad song, but yeah. because the sound. When you compare it to the other nine on this list, oh yeah, it doesn't even compare whatsoever. Yeah, this is more, uh, more like a gritty like rock song. You know, uh, the lyrics are a little strange though. You know, it says when the sun comes up, I'll be right on top. You'll be right down there looking up. <laughs> I don't know what. Uh, oh, we know what that implies. And I think maybe it's a girl who you know, broke up with him and he's about to become a rock star, you know, where he's on top. Oh yeah. You know, and like, I don't need you anymore. Yeah. I found another girl. So this band only released two albums, believe it or not, in 66 and 67. And the lead singer, he is indeed a mystery, Jeremy. Yeah. His name is Rudy Martinez, right? Okay. Martinez. And he had his, <laughs> he had his name legally changed Right? Mm-hmm. What do you think he had it changed to? You know, I actually know this band and I know the story, but okay. I forget what he had his name changed to. His name is now Question Mark. Ah, that's what it was. But spelled out, Question Mark. Yep. He also claims his real name isn't Rudy Martinez and that his soul comes from Mars. <laughs> yeah, he actually said that. Now, I found an article. I did some scouring, you know, on the internets. Mm-hmm. Uh, from 2019, uh, where his his house burned down and he was living in a trailer. He has no Wikipedia page, so there's not much info on this guy. So I don't know where he is if he's still in the trailer. Is it, I might be confused. Is this the guy that was huge in, like, Italy, but not in the United States? I don't know. No. I couldn't find much on him, believe it or not. So there's a story. Like, like if you don't have a Wikipedia page, it's hard to. Yeah, I could have sworn because I watched a, it was like an MTV behind the band or, Mm -hmm. you know, something to that extent. I think he performed recently because. Yes, I'm pretty sure this is the guy. Because uh, this interview is from two years ago and I, and I think he was performing somewhere and they tracked him down. He wasn't getting royalties or something from his albums. Okay. However, he was like a top seller overseas. Mm-hmm. Okay. If it's the same guy. And, you're, oh, I know who you're thinking of. And you're this think- guy was like a god over there. Oh, you're, this isn't him. Damn. You're thinking of Rodriguez. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Sorry. Yeah, I talked about him on, a, on one of the podcasts. Okay. I don't know if you saw that mo- the movie. It's... I have it's not, really good. I didn't see the movie. Yeah. Sorry, I'm ruining the segment. No, that's okay. <laughs> Rodriguez. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I have. They re-released his first album. Um, yeah. Which I have. No. So this was on, it was like. Oh, that's an incredible story. or something. Yeah. I was fascinated with it. I couldn't believe it. I think you can get the movie. Um, I watched it on some free, free, on some site. It was free. I like um, cast it to my TV. Okay. And watched it. Now, my friend Ken told me about Rodriguez, like, years ago. That's the first time I ever heard of the guy. But yeah, Rodriguez and Rudy Martinez. Rodriguez is actually a a pretty normal guy. This guy, Rudy, you know, if he's saying his soul comes from Mars, he's, you know, out there. He's an alien. Like Mars, yeah. So we have uh, number seven, Black is Black by Los Bravos. Now, I know this song. Again, I don't know the band because maybe they only had one hit. So this song has a good beat, great build up. Uh, I love the chorus. There's a scream in there, you know. And of course, it's a, it's actually about a guy who wants his girl back. Now, this was the first Spanish group to reach number four in the U.S. The song sold over a million copies. So pretty uh, straightforward lyrics. Uh, black is black. I want my baby back. My baby back. My baby back. You know, singing about ribs maybe there. Um, <laughs> it's gray. It's gray. He's eating them at Outback Steakhouse. Yeah. It's gray, it's gray since she went away. What can I do? Because I'm feeling blue. So that's kind of cool. You guys from black to gray to blue, you know, got some colors in there. So they were a Spanish beat group formed in 1965, and they're from Madrid. 
uh, lead singers from Germany. Now, the lead singer, his name was Mike Kogel, and he changed his name. Another person who changed his name. He didn't change it to, you know, Los Bravos or anything. He changed it to Mike Kennedy for some reason. Mike Kogel eventually left the group, and one of the people that replaced him was Tony Anderson. Now, Tony Anderson is John Anderson's brother from Yes. Yes. So there was a new studio version of Black is Black. It was recorded and released in 2015 with the original singer. So he came back to, you know, re-record. Hmm. I don't know why. You know, I don't know why, like, a song that's um, people know and it's maybe people still listen to, why you would go back and how could you improve on, you know, like a classic old song. You if, know? It hit, if it hit the top ten, then it was good enough on its own that you probably didn't have to redo it yeah yeah so number six we got um beauty is only skin deep by the temptations uh now i'd never heard this song before you know it's the temptations so you can't really go wrong with that uh, i was surprised that they're only on this list once to be honest yeah maybe they were uh more earlier or later i don't know maybe it just wasn't their year <laughs> or their month who knows so there's a like a music box chiming sound Parts of the song, I noticed uh, there's a trumpet in this song. You kind of get the gist of what the song's about, but I don't know if you could record it today. Maybe you could. About being in love with someone who's not that attractive. Mm-hmm. But the, the way the lyrics are, it's done in a nice way. In a professional it, kind of way. Yeah, and hence the type, beauty is only skin deep. So it is about a guy who falls in love with someone who isn't as maybe as attractive as some of the other girls. So here's some of the lyrics. My friends ask what I see in you, but it goes deeper than the eye can view. You have a pleasing personality, and that's an ever-living rare quality. (laughs) (laughs) So you may not be attracted, but you have a really good personality, you know? So this song was a 1966 hit single when it was recorded for the Gordy Motown label, and that's Barry Gordy. Billboard described the single as uh, a smooth rocker featuring bongo and brass and a well-done vocal on a strong lyric. Uh, the song was number three pop hit and a number one R&B hit in the United States. So this song never appeared on a regular Temptations studio LP. It was featured on the group's 1966 Greatest Hits album. Huh, that's kind of upsetting. <laughs> You know, if a song hits the top 10, you would think that it would have been on one of their albums and not just a greatest hits album. Yeah. You know, I think we can probably relate on this. I'm guessing greatest hits albums are okay. However, typically they're the most overplayed songs that you hear on the radio and it really doesn't give you the feel of the band as far as what their music actually has to offer. No, because sometimes the songs that aren't overly played are, are might be some of your favorite songs. Exactly. Like Cheap Trick, for instance. Great example. Yeah. Like I Want You to Want Me, I can do without if hearing. I never If I never heard that again, I'd be okay. Yeah. Because I love Cheap Trick. and Even The Flame, I'm not real cl- crazy about. You know, but there's a lot of other songs that were never played on the radio. One of my but... favorites is She's Tight. Yeah. And people look at me like I have eight eyes because they're like, what is that mm-hmm. song? Yeah. And it's just a very fun, quirky upbeat song yeah like uh borderline is one uh down songs that most people never heard but they do play live what amazes me is that i i didn't know you know i thought there was was more a newer thing with greatest hits albums where you would have your songs from you know of course other albums and then add one or two new songs i thought that was more a newer thing to do i didn't know in 1966 they were doing that. I would have never guessed that. Yeah, that you would actually put a brand new song on a greatest hits album. Because of, I mean, you think about it too, in 1966, financially, it wasn't as easy to put out albums as it is today either. Yeah. I mean, Barry Gordy was was putting out a lot of young Motown musicians, specifically mm-hmm. in the Michigan area. It's amazing what came out of, they called it Hitsville, USA. Yep. They had a lot of great songwriters and a lot of, a lot of the same people wrote all the, you know, all the hits. They were like their own Beatles over there. They were. You know, if you think about the Beatles, like all the hits, all the great songs they had. And I don't know 
Jim, if you've ever been to Hitsville, but if not, it is no. well worth the trip. Yeah, I'd like to go there. A lot of great stories, a lot of great memories, a lot of great, you know, artifacts. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's not the right term, but, yeah. you know, band memorabilia and stories and just it, it's a lot mm-hmm. of fun. The one writer of the song was Norman Whitfield and also Edward Holland. So he was part of the Holland Dozier in Holland, right? Mm-hmm. So he wrote this song with this other guy, Norman Whitfield. So Whitfield started hanging around Hitsville offices at the age of 19. And he got a job with quality control. And the other song he wrote with Edward Holland was Ain't Too Proud to Beg. Nice. Yeah, which was much bigger hit than this one. So checking in at number five, Bus Stop by The Hollies. Uh, Bus Stop was written by a UK songwriter, Graham Goldman. He penned major hits for the Yardbirds and Herman's Hermits. Mm -hmm. Uh, The song reached number five in the UK singles chart. So, Jeremy, this song, I know you've listened to it. And, Jeremy, it's about a guy stalking a girl. That's what it was. Stalking her at the bus stop. And then he offers her his umbrella. Yes. And then he's, like, wondering if they're going to get married. But you know what? There's a happy ending. Because by the end of the song, they do get married. (laughs) If I could interject here. So the the opening lines of this song were written by Graham Goldman's father. And then Graham Goldman continued with the rest of the song in his bedroom. And then he finished the song all on his way to work. I would assume maybe on a bus, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, on the bus. Yeah, he finished the song then on the bus the next day. He was maybe influenced. He, and maybe he was stalking this girl. Maybe. You know. Yeah. So the song the song's a, a really good song. And they really upbeat and um yeah, just a pleasant song. So number four, we have our first Beatles song, Yellow Submarine. <laughs> I love this song. It's a quick two minute, you know, happy go lucky pot smoking (laughs) song they're smoking pot in the song they're probably not smoking pot in the song but it's you know such a hippie psychedelic Mm -hmm. like just different for the time you know song that i i was quite surprised to see it on the list to be honest with you because to me it's it's a fun song that you can play and maybe listen to and then be done with it for a Mm -hmm. while but i can't imagine it being in the top five on the radio over and over and over again i have to say it's it might be my least favorite Beatles song. And they have a lot of songs, so... I'm surprised to see this as on the top ten. I know? was very surprised. I would have thought at least a dozen other songs before this. Now, of course, Ringo is singing this. Uh, yeah. And it... The it, least favorite. It, it ranks, <laughs> ranks up there with Octopus's Garden. This is Ringo. You don't like me? No. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they say Yellow Submarine 23 times, Jeremy. That is impressive that you kept counting. And in such a short song. That's what's right. amazing. Right. It's only, what, two minutes and six seconds? Yeah. <laughs> but I really think it's the most unenthusiastic vocals I've ever heard. Sounds like they just woke up and they were, you know, okay, we got to do a song. It's the last song on the album. You know, we got to gotta get through it. I don't know. Ringo sounds so, like, uninspired and... I mean, the song is a, a happy, there's a lot going on in the song, a lot the of different beat, sounds. The beat gives it a happy, upbeat feel. Yeah, but just listen to, like, if you listen to isolated, I love to listen to isolated uh, vocals from Ringo. Uh-huh. Yeah, it would put you to sleep, probably. Uh, I believe you know? it. So. So that sentence reminded me of, there is a movie out there of Sammy Hagar performing Running With The Devil. Okay. Without the music. Oh, no. And it's just him going, ow! <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So if I could hear Ringo yeah. singing mm-hmm. without the background music, mm-hmm. I think that would be a blast. Because <laughs> his unenthusiastic voice yeah. without <laughs> the instruments, <laughs> mm-hmm. picking it up and making it more peppy, yeah, that would be a lot of fun. <laughs> Checking in at number three, Sunshine Superman, Donovan. Sunshine Superman was on the third album from the British singer-songwriter Donovan. It was released August 26th of 66, but it was not released in the United Kingdom because of a contractual dispute. Hmm. Little fun fact. In June of 67, a compilation 
of the Sunshine Superman and Mellow Yellow albums were released in the UK. I don't know what you think of Donovan, but I think he had some odd song. You know, he's just an odd person. Yes. Right? So he had Season of the Witch, also Mellow Yellow. Mm-hmm. They call me Mellow Yellow, you know. Yeah. Just very odd. He's a cool songwriter. I just wonder what people thought, you know, of this song when they first heard it. You know, or, or Donovan himself. Because here you have the Beatles, you got the Beach Boys, and the song has kind of, I don't know, I caught like a creepy lyric in this song, because I made my mind up, you're going to be mine. You know, kind of creepy. Yeah. So this is uh, considered to be one of the first examples of the music genre that came to be known as psychedelia. This song incorporates uh, elements of psychedelic pop, folk rock, psychedelic folk, and psychedelic rock. A lot of psychedelic stuff going on there. So on this song, uh, also, I mean, maybe a lot of people don't know it. I really didn't know this until I just researched it a little bit, uh, that Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones are both playing on this song. I didn't know that either. And Jimmy Page was, I want to say he was sort of, he might have been sort of a session musician, maybe. Sometimes, you know, in the beginning of your career... Or you're just hanging out in the recording studio, trying to see what other artists are doing, maybe. Or you you get pulled in, or like, hey, you want to play guitar on this? And that's how that happens sometimes. So so obviously, Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones were friends, I would assume. And were hanging out. <laughs> you would hope. Yeah. And I don't know if this was Donovan's first hit or not. So that's an interesting song. If you've never heard it, definitely give it a listen. It's worth at least one listen. Give Donovan a listen, you know, Mellow Yellow. <laughs> That's such a weird and song. Season of the Witch. Those are the three. So on to number two. Number two. You can't hurry, love. No, no, no. Not Phil Collins. The Supremes. Uh, written and produced by Motown production team Holland Dozier Holland. There you go. Song made the UK top five, made the top ten. In the Australian singles chart, and obviously here at number two. Mm-hmm. It spent two weeks at number one. I was going to say, I believe it was also was at number one. Mm-hmm. Two weeks. Billboard named it the number 19 on their list of 100 greatest girl group songs of all time. Hmm. Found that interesting. It's, you know, with the Supremes, you're kind of getting a similar sound each time, but it's something always worth checking out, always... Kind of makes you feel like you're there listening to them live. Mm-hmm. They've got a great, great, great sound. Holland Dozier and Holland. I'm just amazed because they they wrote 10 out of the 12 yep. Supremes. Not just Supreme songs, but number one hit. Yes. And I'm sure they wrote a lot of other hits too, but this is just one group. And believe it or not, they're still alive, all three of them. They're around 80 years old. And I bet you they could still belt it out if they wanted to. No, not the Supreme. <laughs> the writers of the song are still alive. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, Cut that out. <laughs> Diana Ross is still alive. Uh, one of them just passed away, I think, this year. I read her book, Plastic EP, we just interviewed. Like I said, he, um, he interviewed Mary Wilson. Uh, she passed away, I think, this year. And, you know, when COVID started, I had a lot of time on my hands. So I basically read six or seven books within a couple months, uh, two, three months. And one of them was Dream Girl by Mary Wilson. It was just a really great book. It's it's from the beginning of her like life and then how the Supremes got into work themselves into Motown and Hitsville US. They just started hanging out. And they were they were really young. They were like sixteen, seventeen. Right. And they wouldn't really sign them because they didn't want them touring and stuff. Yep. But they were persistent. So it's a great book. I love The Supremes. I always liked them. Yeah, Dream Girl by Mary Wilson. That's a great book. Was that an autobiography? Yeah. Yeah. Number one, Cherish the Association. A pop song written by Terry Kirkman. Released, obviously, 1966. Reached number one in September of that year and remained in the top position for three weeks. Hmm. Billboard ranked the record as the number seven song of 1966 and later as the number two after a revision of the year-end charts. 
In Canada, the song also reached number one. This was a song prior to listening to it. I wasn't at all familiar with it, Mm -hmm. which I was surprised since it had hit number one. And, you know, I've tried to delve into the history of music, but I was pleasantly surprised at the sound of the song. I mean, it, it matches most of what's on this list, but it's a band that, you know, I'm not familiar with by name. Yeah. So I wasn't quite sure what to expect going into it. And then, you know, just to hear something kind of catchy was enjoyable. A pleasant surprise, I guess you could say. Yeah, it's 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 a ni- it's a very nice song, but I also think it's another song about a guy <laughs> stalking a girl. He wishes he was with her. And in the song it sounds like a lot of guys are trying to win her over, but he's too shy, you know, to approach her. Terry Kirkman wrote the song in a half an hour and put it into the live act of his group. That's awesome. Yeah, in a half an hour. He was looking for an emotional, slow-tempo song in the same vein as the Righteous Brothers. You've lost that loving feeling, which you can kind of hear. This song's very nice song. Uh, I don't know if it should have been number one. So that pretty much does it. That does do it for our top ten. I want to thank everybody for listening. Yeah, Jim, thank you for having me in. This is my second week now as a substitute. And there'll um, probably be more. I'm looking to take over, you know, a permanent role here. I don't know. I don't know when Mike's going to be back. But we're hoping to do um, some interviews soon. We're going to try and try and put these out. Like last month, we only put out one podcast, which is fine. But we're going to try what we can. And, you know, we're always up for listening to new music. So maybe mm-hmm. leave us some of your new albums that you enjoy in the comments section. Yeah, or you can actually email us at jimandmikepodcast at gmail.com. And remember, turn off the TV and turn up the music. Intro and exit music by the band 99%. Today's show is produced and edited by Jim Thatcher. Jim and Mike Talk Music is recorded at, did you say, 7 Studios in Washington, New Jersey. You can find Jim and Mike Talk Music on Apple Music, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This song, All the Way Up, by Eddie, used with royalty-free permission.